The reading is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that this morning, as we come to your word, that you would be with us and near us by the work of your spirit in this place, and that we would see Jesus through his glorious name. Amen. Well, this is, uh, of course, the Eve of All Saints' Day, the Eve of All Hallows, Halloween, as you will well know. All Saints' Day marks traditionally a, a period of remembering those who have died, uh, that, it, that is remembered throughout the church uh, in, in the country. The exact link between the night before and the sort of macabre is not known. However, it's suggested that maybe pre-Christian Celtic traditions may have played a part. The time between the end of harvest and and the dark half of the year being seen as a, a time where the barrier between the worlds of the dead and the living become thin. 
in ages where spirits, uh, awareness of spirits and similar forces were perhaps more part of everyday life, seen to influence the, the physical world around us, then this is a time of bonfires and charms, lanterns outside the house, a time of hunkering down, keeping away the darkness. Today we uh, exist in what has been called the buffered self. There's been a, a clear distinction made between inner and outer worlds. Perhaps that's a little bit of, of the idea of the, the, the mind being the primary thing. No longer does the outer world permeate or influence the inner. Who I am inside is insulated and independent from all of that. And hence, this time is at best a party time. Maybe a time for frights, for dressing up, for children. There's a slightly more worrying trend now towards horror and celebration of those things that go with horror films, even to the point where you see some things and wonder, are they celebrating mass murder? Only minds that feel themselves separate from these things could possibly treat them as mere entertainment. A society that sees the physical world as the only reality. People who are isolated from any true sense of darkness. Yet the Bible tells us a different story. From the very beginning in God's creation, there came a presence working against the purposes of God, which succeeds in persuading humanity to turn against God, corrupting both themselves and the world around it. The Bible speaks of darkness that comes in to God's good world. The whole story of the Bible can be seen as God's working out a plan to allow humanity back into eternal relationship with himself, overcoming that darkness, dealing with the impact of rebellion, dealing with the reality of sin in the world. And the climax of God's plan is what John is writing to tell people about as summarized in this great opening passage to his biography of Jesus. And there John brings out this theme of light and darkness, one Jesus himself also introduced. In verse 4 he says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what can this picture of a light in the darkness tell us about Jesus, who he is? What does that mean for us? What does it mean to turn on the lights? And how can we do this? Perhaps at the most fundamental level, as John brings out, light means life. On this planet, we're totally reliant on the sun for seeing, for warmth, for allowing plants to grow. We wouldn't even be asking these sort of questions if the sun wasn't out there burning and sending us light. And the link that light and life here that John makes is based on words from Jesus. For John in this gospel, the gift of life is one of those great themes 
One of those things that Jesus came to bring, and it's intrinsically linked to light in contrast to darkness. Jesus, talking about his witness and who he is, says in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The way of darkness, therefore, is the way of not life, of death. If Jesus is the light of the world, the light of life, then in him is true life. Outside of him is only darkness and death. As the sun gives light and brings life to this physical planet, Jesus brings life and light to us all. At the most basic level, the needs for true life. We need Jesus as we need the sun in the sky. Nothing else will do. There are no substitutes. And hence the purpose for John in writing this gospel, that people will know about the truth of Jesus, that people can come to have the gift of life, that people can see the light of Christ. But what in other ways does does light speak to us about Jesus? Well, firstly, light dispels fear. I think we can all relate to this, the sense of the unknown, of what could be lurking in the darkness, the bump in the night, if I'm not pandering too much to the Halloween motif. Yet switching on the light can completely dispel this. We see what's truly there. We can know what is going on. There is safety and security in light. Why do we gather round a campfire why in darkness are noises so much worse light reveals reality about us shows us what's true and what's part of our imagination and the truth of Jesus does the same by faith we look beyond our current circumstances to a God who's working his purposes out to a God who has not lost control to a reality where evil and destruction have been defeated to a future where God will bring us home. And this transforms our outlook and changes our reaction to the things that come on us. Yes, there are still worries about illness. Yes, we're concerned about the decline of the body and what that means. Yes, redundancy is a major concern. Yes, change can be hard. Yes, relationships will be broken. But the hard things in life do not floor us. They don't strip us of all our hope or identity. For we can see Jesus, and our ultimate trust is in him. Hope that will not be changed. Promises that will not fail. Light can dispel fear. Secondly, and related, light helps us to see things as they truly are. To mix metaphors terribly, I'm struck about that old idea that Christianity means that we see the world not as upside down, but actually the right way round. We come to see things as they are for good and bad. We've considered how that may dispel fear. By faith, we see God at work in the world. We hold on to the work of Jesus and the promises of God. 
But the reality is that light in exposing what's true also exposes what should not be. Light can shine in the darkest of corners, exposed to view the most hidden of secrets. We can look at the world seeing the impact of sin, seeing the reality of rebellion against God. We can see how this is worked out in people's lives. Furthermore, that light shines on our own lives as God the Holy Spirit is at work challenging us on how we live for Jesus, exposing the dark corners. Light shines on areas that we need to get into action on in ourselves, in our workplaces, in our friends group, in society around us, in the world. Places where we need to work for change, to make things as God would have them be. Places where Jesus would want us to be involved in bringing things into line with the gospel, in bringing that line. Thirdly, light can be a guide, as it says in the Psalms. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God and the ultimate word, Jesus Christ himself, as John is telling us in this introduction, is our guide in life, in knowing where not to tread in as much as the path to go down. The whole area there is perhaps a bit much for us this morning. However, I was struck uh, by a comment I heard in a sermon a while back that the Bible says more about the character of the person who is guided than guidance itself. It's as if we're being told, well, first seek Jesus. First look to him, and in doing so, we will be guided. There's no fixed route through life such that we can fall off this and mess up everything. Perhaps it's more like using a torch on a dark night. We don't see all of the path ahead of us. We can only see the step immediately in front of us. And yet when the junction comes and one path takes us away from God and the other in line with him by keeping close to God and learning from his way, we can see the route we should take. By knowing of him and his ways, we know what is good for us. And finally, there's a light that's there to be seen by others. Think of the light in the window to guide people down a path or the lighthouse that stands both as a warning against rocks and as a fixed point to navigate by. We've been thinking about how Jesus is the light seen by others, but he also calls us to be the same. In the Sermon on the Mount, describing his people, he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a city cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As Jesus is light of the world, we're called to reflect this, to be lights in the places where God has put us, to live for God in our own lives along people, alongside people we re- interact with daily, 
to stand as a counter to the darkness in the world around us, to show another way, the way of Jesus. Jesus as light, therefore, is, is our very life, the essence of all we have. He's the one who dispels fear, shows us the truth of God who is in control. It's the one who exposes how things really are including the sin and oppression in our own lives, in society, in the world, and the one who calls us to live as his lights, living out the gospel where we are. But how? How are we to do this? Are we to just pick up John's book uh, and read of this Jesus and try really hard to do as he did, use him as our example just try and, and base our lives on how he lived. Well, yes, clearly Jesus is our example, but actually he's so much more than that. When Jesus declared that he was the light of the world, he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus promised that the light, his light, is something that he would be giving to others, that, that we would have in fullness, not that we would earn, not that we would seek to emulate. You know, if we were to pick up the book and read it through, we would actually be left perhaps wondering if the light that John speaks so boldly of here truly did triumph over the darkness. As the story goes on, the misunderstanding and opposition just grows and grows. Darkness seems to gather and be on the ascendancy. Then towards the end, it would seem as if darkness has won, the light is snuffed out. Jesus is on the cross. Darkness has fallen over the land. Evil has triumphed. And yet... We know that's not the end of the story. On the third day, there was resurrection. Jesus, light of the world, went into darkness for our behalf. Dealing with the darkness in us. Offering a hope of light to all who turns to him. Therefore, we can be people who never walk in darkness, but have and are given this light of light, because he has done that for us. In Christ, we have the light of life. He has done it all. We don't have to earn it or achieve it, but we're called to live out his light where we are. We're called to live as the people Jesus has made us. Thinking back to the passage from Philippians from last week, we're called to shine like stars. On this, traditionally, a night of darkness. By our lives, by our actions, by our prayers, will we live as people of light, that the world will see something of Jesus reflected in us. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Amen.